giant robot smashing into other giant robots. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Giant Robots Smashing into Other Giant Robots podcast. We are recording live at RailsConf 2013 in Portland, Oregon. My name is Ben Orenstein. I'm here today with Ryan Bates. Hey, Ryan. Hello, Ben. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you actually drove here, right? Yep. Where do you live? Uh, down in Myrtle Creek, Oregon. So that's uh, about a three-hour drive. Okay. I saw you brought some uh, board games in the car. That's right. Yeah, yeah I got uh, uh, Agricola and Seven Wonders and Stone Age and Carcassonne and quite a few others. I've, I've played Agricola, Agricola, I don't know. I've played this yeah. before, and that was the first game where it was literally so complicated to get <laughs> set up and going that I had to go like watch YouTube videos. Yeah, and then, it, I think I did the same thing. It's yeah. like, okay, let's take an hour to learn this board game so we can have fun for, with it. But, and it still yeah, takes an hour to set up, even once you know it what you're doing. It does take a while. It's a really cool game. Like it was one of the best like balanced sort of research management resource management games I've played, but it was just like almost it just became too much. Yeah, it's really brilliant, but it's hard to find a group to play with that's dedicated enough to it. It's not a very light pick up and play game. That's certainly true. Yeah, I've been I play most games like family or parties and things like that. So right. I've been trending more towards things that are like, all right, here are the rules. Apples takes... apples. You can always bring that out. <laughs> exactly. Or yeah, cards against humanity more more often in my case. I haven't case. played that one. Oh, it's good. It's apples to apples with like um, x-rated cards oh i remember hearing about that yeah yeah, yeah i haven't had a chance to play it my... it's it's awesome yeah it's really fun um so how's railscast doing these days doing great very successful i i love it as much as ever really yeah so it's it's not now that you, you switched to full-time on this recently. yeah it was uh when i switched to railscast pro about a year and a half ago maybe mm-hmm. i uh basically quit my job and started full-time on it yeah. and that transition is a little bit tricky, and there's definitely challenges that are introduced doing that, but it's, uh, it's been really well so far. Mm. So are you running the business basically all by yourself? Yeah, it's just me. Um, How's it going? How, how do you like being the, the solo guy? <laughs> um, answering support email is probably one of the biggest issues. You know, it takes an hour or two a day to, to get through all those, but uh, you know, I may hire someone someday to, to help out with that. Mm-hmm. I, I uh, try to resist it partially, though, because I don't want to transition into a, a management position where it's like I want to keep it real, keep it close to the community and, and uh, stay real with people. So Yeah, I, you, you wrote recently, and it was something that I wonder myself, which is if you're not working as a Rails developer actively, then is it going to be hard to stay sort of on the edge of things and, and keep your experience or the, the things you're covering relevant? Yeah, and that is uh, one of the challenges that I, I came across is, you know, quitting my full-time job as a Rails developer to teach Rails full-time. There's definitely challenges that that introduces because uh, I used a lot of the knowledge that I learned from from being a Rails developer as fuel for my episodes. Mm-hmm. And so uh, having that lack of you know, I still work with Rails applications. You know, RailsCast.com, of course, is Rails application and, and a couple others on the side, but none of them quite as, as a dedicated full-time position. And so that definitely does present challenges of, of uh, switching from um, a developer to a teacher mm. and also staying on top of all the new technologies that are coming out. Right. Although I imagine you also, at the same time, have more time to stay on top of that stuff. Now you can say it's actually part of my job to make sure to like go research these things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it has uh, definitely pros and cons. Mm-hmm. Um, I spend a lot more time uh, researching than I did uh, a year or two ago because I do have to, uh, you know, I don't have that extra fuel for the fire from the other development that I need to actually uh, spend more time kind of building test applications, trying things out to make sure they work and uh, make sure it's relevant. Yeah. Do you miss uh, having co- being 
do you miss writing code as the main part of your day, like you, as 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 your job? I still feel like I write code as the main part of my day, just because I'm I feel like I'm doing it all the time still. Uh, but there are a couple aspects I do miss about it. Um, but writing code for myself is is uh, kind of freeing, but also having those constraints of oh, you need to you know match the story or whatever of of uh, of performing a specific goal with this business is a uh, um, was kind of nice to have those constraints sometimes. Mm. How do you feel like your uh, coding style has changed over time? I like to say it's improved, but yeah. <laughs> do you think making these these Rails casts have have improved it? Oh yeah. Um, for one thing, it's kind of opened up my knowledge of of I get to learn a little bit of while the while the uh, while I'm teaching these topics and researching them, I get to learn along with the viewers in a sense. Um, uh, you know, every week I'm learning new topics and, and new ideas and exploring new plugins and people. Uh, I'm reading code probably more than ever just to mm. see how these new gems that are coming out are working. Right. And that helps a ton. Yeah. That goes a long way. Do you, uh, do you practice TDD when you're writing your own code? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm a big proponent of, you know, using Capybara to, uh, you know, drive the, the end user experience in a way the and then, you know, going down to smaller unit tests to, uh, to handle the, the small details of the tight logic and branching possibilities. Yeah. Do you subscribe to anybody else's uh, subscription Ruby content? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, uh, Avdi Grimm's, you know, Ruby Tapas mm-hmm. and um, Destroy All Software used to be subscribed to that when I was there. Right. Um, when it was subscribable. Yeah. How uh, are you uh, still act- actively maintaining all your open source stuff? I, not as much. <laughs> <laughs> You're maintaining that is, it not that, that is one thing that I, I I do wish you know I would improve on. That is one of my goals to improve on is to uh, uh, be a more active maintainer of open source projects. I I sort of build tools as I need them, mm-hmm. and then once they fit my needs, I sort of you know let them adrift. And it's a little bit difficult to come back, uh, you know, see a hundred issues in the tracker, and it's like. Oh boy, where do I start? Yeah. How do I uh, how do I manage this? Um, I, I've had a few people that have come up to me and said, "Hey, can I can I help manage this?" And I, I point them to the issue tracker and I like go at it. Um, I'm fairly strict on who I actually allow just to commit to the project because, you know, if you open the doors, it, it kind of becomes a just a mess. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, anyone who's willing to help contribute through managing the issue tracker is is definitely welcome. Mm. What is um what what goes into producing a typical Railscast episode? Oh boy, so uh, I have like a just basically a, a text list of topic ideas that I kind of add to throughout the week as I you know open up Ruby Weekly and see this new gem came out. I I uh, add it to the list, you know, research it more, and then and then um, spend probably a good you know six or eight hours a week just researching various topics and gems that have come out. And then once I pick on one, it's like, okay, this will make a good episode, I think. And then I, you know, spend some more time playing around with it, exploring it, building some example projects to see exactly if it's going to work out, if it'll present well in a screencast format, and then start recording. How often do you throw stuff, ideas away at that point? Quite a bit. Mm. More than, you know, I like to. It's, it's really hard to, you know, spend... 
uh, a good day and a half or so just investing into this into this gem or idea and then realizing you know it's not quite working out not quite ready for prime time mm. uh you know totally. but it's you know that's another issue of uh of uh, the difficulty of of this transition is i'm having to do more research but that involves uh kind of playing a guessing game exactly as to what's going to fit well as a screencast until i get halfway through and then realize oh got to try something else yeah uh, so so after you've decided something has made the cut and would probably be a good candidate what's what's next um after i've built the kind of example project of okay this is what i want to cover and demonstrate i start recording pretty much immediately hmm. uh sometimes i build a little outline about the to- you know what exactly i want to talk about but i i don't spend any time building a writing a script or anything like that i just i hit the record button and start it huh and that works pretty well yeah it's been working great so far um i'm fairly strict on what i end up putting in the final product though so i I do a lot of takes, and so I uh, I do very short clips, perhaps um, uh, ten or twenty seconds, even of okay, this is what I'm teaching right here, and this is what I want to talk about and say until I uh, get what I want to say in the right way, mm-hmm. and then I move on to the next clip of you know ten or twenty seconds of of teaching this part of the uh, screencast, and then we uh, have the final product. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of editing at the end, then. It's actually not very much editing because I I pretty much throw everything, every take away until I get uh, okay. the final take. And so the editing is just basically stringing clips together. Mm-hmm. And then upload and publish and you're done? Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of details like write descriptions, uh, do some fix up in the code, you know, make a little screenshot image and stuff like that. Mm. So what's what's a rough count of like total hours per episode, would you guess? Oh, um, it used to be about an hour per minute of an episode um that's probably increased a little bit since i do a little more research and have you know throw away topics and stuff but yeah that's still a, a very rough guideline yeah that sounds about right i've made a couple screencasts and that was somewhere on the order of that yeah usually a little longer probably uh-huh maybe two hours per minute sometimes which is just brutal <laughs> i know it is um it depends a lot on how well i know a topic uh how you know how just smoothly it's working out some some episodes just fall together you know mm-hmm. but others are just a grind to get stuck on a problem for an hour and it's like how do i get this working mm-hmm. and kind of tricky that's one of the nice things about a uh mostly off the cuff podcast is the uh <laughs> hours per minute ratio is much better yeah it's nice uh, sometimes you have to pack up a ton like 50 pounds of podcast equipment and drag it to RailsConf. uh but other than that it's not so bad you got a really nice setup here though i I'm pretty impressed. Well, this thanks. is amazing. Yeah, this is uh, Chad and Anna Mariel getting getting all the stuff packed in that big uh, hitman-looking suitcase you see behind you. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, she's cutting out the foam to like put the mic stands in and the mics in. It just looks it looks kind of so awesome. So did you have to uh, fly this all with you? Yeah, check <laughs> check bag. It probably would have been cheaper to ship it or something. But I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Chad says it wasn't that expensive. That's good and worth it. Um. You said you have a few hours of support per day. Are these like mostly like uh, billing issues? Uh, those are a little bit, but uh, a lot of them are like, help, this this part on this older screencast isn't quite working. Um, how do I 
you know, go about this. Sometimes I, I'm able to afford time to research that. Other times I can just point them to Stack Overflow or quickly research and point them to, okay, this might help. Sorry, I can't go into full detail, but, mm. but I, you know, try to help out when I can with those. Mm-hmm. And there's also comments on the screencast right. themselves, so you can sort right. of, some other people probably help you or have yeah. had the same problem, hopefully. Yeah, with everything changing so quickly, uh, it's amazing how fast stuff gets out of date. Or I try to add show notes, you know, updates when I can. But it's it's a little bit difficult to keep up with you know the library of 400 episodes of of uh, topics you know mm-hmm. yeah that was uh, like going to uh, DHH's keynote today where he's saying that we the, the community as a whole is like very willing to keep pushing forward and mm-hmm. I think that's like that's awesome and like we don't value stability as much as more like you know improvement and and the new things but that definitely makes the job for people like you harder <laughs> like yeah, education I, stuff I, I wouldn't trade it for anything though because it's it's so valuable to to keep pushing us forward and uh and uh, trying out new things yeah absolutely so you mentioned that you you spend a lot of time paying attention to what is up and coming like you read ruby weekly which i think is peter cooper's mm-hmm. screen ca- or uh, his uh, newsletter and so you're seeing a lot of gems do you see any trends for where things are going or exciting things that are coming around the bend well, I think it's uh, really interesting to see how uh, client-side JavaScript MVC frameworks are, are uh, you know, becoming more and more popular and, and seeing how that transition affects Rails. And um, I've been uh, really enjoying AngularJS particularly. I, uh, I you know, researched it a little bit, and I, I don't know, it just seemed to click with me when I was researching it for, for the episodes I covered it on. And I'll probably, you know, cover that a little bit more in the future. I'm curious to see how well it can just uh, play a part in more maybe traditional document-based applications even as uh, being an alternative to just, you know, jQuery and our approaches there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have all these examples of uh, single-page applications that work well as examples, but a lot of websites aren't really, you know, single-page apps that that it transitions as well to. So I'm you know, I kind of want to explore Angular more. Hmm. It was interesting to see how much of DHH's keynote seemed to be a response to single-page apps. Right. It was like we're kind of defending the the castle from this this onslaught of <laughs> put it all on the client. Right. Yeah. And I uh, I, I definitely think uh, he brings up a good point about how it's it's important to keep focus and not try to make Rails fit every kind of solution and every kind of possibility. It'll just become this grab bag of you know just a big mess. But yeah, it's a uh, it's good to see it, um, you know, reminder of it's it's extracted out of Basecamp, and so it should uh, fit that kind of document-based application the best. Not that it can't be used for the others. I think it has uh, definitely use cases, but it's, it's you know, best for what it's extracted out of. Totally. And, and, that, and I agree that I think that's a good approach. Like, there are pros and cons to it. And, like, the downside is it's sort of heavily coupled to the way he wants to write applications. <laughs> right. So if you don't want to write applications like that, then it's not going to be a good fit for you. Right. But the flip side is, as long as you're doing something that's kind of like Basecamp, you're probably going to have a really good experience. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so what do you think uh, the future holds for you and RailsCast? Are you, you're, you sound, sound like you're happy doing it, so you want to come. Yeah, I, I very much enjoy it. I feel like you know teaching is really my full-time profession. I love doing it, but it's definitely... Uh, taken a toll as far as you know it's a challenge to come up with new episodes i recently uh cut back on my schedule a little bit to about one episode a week sometimes two and it's um helped a lot uh so far um you know just relieve some of the stress of having such a tight deadline and giving me a little more flexibility and and researching topics and also hopefully contributing to some 
uh, open source again. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love to be able to do that. Yeah, I, I saw a tweet from you saying that you're going to have your uh, RailsConf jack or your uh, RailsCasts jacket on. Yeah, do you have that with you? Does it still have the sweet? Yeah, yeah. Here nice. it is. Yeah, very cool. I've had this for a couple of years now. I I had another one before that, and it's, you know. Do you, get, cool. do you get recognized by your voice a lot from people having watched yeah, your Yeah, I actually uh, have a story of my first uh, RailsConf back in 2007. Um, you know, I just started a RailsCast, you know, maybe a few months before that. And then uh, I was sitting at the, the lunch table and just kind of talking with guys, seeing, you know, what they do. And, and, uh, and then they go, are you Ryan Bates? <laughs> and I go, yeah. And they go... I watch Railscast all the time. I appreciate it so much. And then, and then it turns out like half the people at the table, you know, watch Railscast, and it's like, wow, this is kind of weird. You know, I'm talking to these people that I don't know; they're strangers to me, but they somehow totally. know me and right. recognize me by my voice. So. Yeah. How do you feel about your Ruby celebrity? <laughs> it's a little intimidating sometimes. I don't cut myself out for good celebrity material, <laughs> but it's uh, it's it's really fun to be able to talk with people and and hear that I've helped them out. Oh, totally. Yeah, and I think you, you have massively across the community done a lot for it. So that's so thank you for that. Yeah, well, that's awesome. So would you say you're sort of a natural introvert then? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. But but you, you put so much out there. It's uh, as long as I'm behind some kind of mic where you don't have to see people mm. or... And I also have I'm sorry you have to see me. (laughs) We could put a a divider up next time. No, you're great. Uh, And and I have you know the ability to edit it. I'm not as bad. um, One reason I don't do live presentations is just because it's I I kind of blank out when I'm under that pressure. I I like to be able to edit it. That's interesting. I I didn't think about that. So do do you do any conference speaking? No, I've I've done I've gotten on stage like once or twice for small things, but not anything big. Yeah. Well, you've you've done your part. (laughs) So you're enjoying running the company. You you like what you do. Mm -hmm. Anything else in the future you see? Any changes to to RailsCast or to what you're doing with your day-to-day? I don't think so. I think uh, things are humming along pretty nicely. Um, You know, just keep going and uh, staying up with Rails as it it evolves and Rails 4 and beyond. And I'm looking forward to seeing what what everyone comes up with and what what new gems come out. And I always love uh, exploring new topic ideas. Yeah, awesome. So we, we, we have an innovative, innovative thing happening, which is we just took a question from the audience. What's your name? David. David. Uh, threw a question at Ryan that I will rephrase and ask for the podcast audience at home, which is, can you uh, go into some of the details about what's the difference between RailsCast Pro and the, the free offering? Right. Yeah, the uh, RailsCast started as free, and then when I transitioned to uh, full-time, I needed to support, support myself somehow, so I introduced RailsCast Pro. And um, RailsCast Pro is... is basically taking the concept of the free episodes uh, but trying to go a little bit more deeper into into some of the topics and uh, it'll be a little bit longer i try to keep free episodes around five to ten minutes and pro episodes about 10 to 15 Mm. um uh, that allows me to you know research a topic a little heavier and get into more meat of the topic uh and so some of the episodes are pro and and require the paid subscription which is just a monthly nine dollar fee Mm-hmm. It was. I think it was interesting to see how strong the adoption was when you first announced this. Like, it, because you had done, I think, hundreds of free 
episodes at this point for years. And so I remember seeing tons of comments were just like, this is probably going to be awesome, but I'm going to buy it anyway because, you know, just to thank you for all the work you've done. Right. And I really appreciate all the subscribers. They've, they've helped me a lot in, in launching the, the pro subscription. It's been a great success. Yeah. Uh, I also want to uh, point out that there are revised episodes as well where I take older uh, free episodes that, you know, have gone out of date. Maybe they're for Rails 2 or something and, and revise them up to uh, new standards and new best practices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've, we've had people say the same thing about just, we want, I want to support you for doing nice things in the past. And I think it's awesome that the community is, is wired that way. And that there are people that are like, yeah, this, you know, it's, it's tight enough. And if it's family-like enough, that it's like, you've done nice things, therefore I'd like to support you. Yeah, this, this community is so awesome. It's uh, just a blessing to be part of it. Really, it is. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, thanks for uh, stopping by and chatting. Yeah, thank you. Are you, are you looking forward to any particular uh, talks at the conference? You know, I haven't even really sat down and looked at the schedule, so I'm kind of just looking at the next slot and seeing what's coming up, and, and uh, so far it's been great. Just-in-time conference talk compilation? Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Cool. Um, this is usually the part of the podcast where I ask, if, or I, I give the guests a chance to plug their service. <laughs> uh, I think everyone probably knows, but it's railscast.com right, yep. if you're interested. Um, how do people get in touch with you? Uh, just the to... feedback on railscast.com. Okay. And you're R. Bates on Twitter, I believe. Yep. Cool. Um, if you'd like to access show notes for this episode, you can go to thoughtbot.com slash podcast slash 47. Today's podcast was recorded live at RailsConf 2013 by Chad Pytel and edited by Edward Lovell. Uh, thanks for listening.